Uh, tēnā tātou katoa, e hui mai nei i tēnei rā. Uh, greetings to all of you who have gathered here today. Um, uh, Haere mai, welcome to the web conference for place names. Um, and ko Andrew Toku Ingoa, I'm Andrew the Learns Kaiarahi. And I'd like to give a warm welcome to Shane Teruki. And Shane is our uh, expert this morning who will answer some questions on our web conference. Uh, just before we kick off and have Shane introduce himself and get underway with the questions, I'll begin with a karakia. Una here to pō, to pō tangata. Tomaki to ao, to ao tangata. Tātai ki ronga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahorau. Omiye, huie, taikie. So once again, hi my welcome everybody to our web conference this morning. It's great that you can join us. And... Um, as I said, we've got Shane. And Shane, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the work, the mahi that you are involved in? So to all of our schools joined in this morning. Morena, Atamarie. All right, so I can see all the hands waving. Kapai. Uh, so you'll see on the bottom of my screen, it says Te Mako uh, That's my uh, traditional name, my Māori name. Uh, and we're all about names today, names mm. of places. Uh, but uh, my Pākehā name is Shane. So um, feel free to call me either. So what have I done? What have I been? I am an artist, a creative I have worked in a range of different fields, but more importantly, um, I am accounted as a learned person of Ngāti Maniopoto. And I see Tekwiti, one of the Tekwiti schools is here, uh, St. Joseph, Kaupai. Um, I was trained and educated by my elders and taught all manner of things. And I spent my time and uh, now teaching also, uh, although I work with um, the Waipa District Council uh, as an iwi relations advisor, which is um, basically I spend my day talking. Hmm. Uh, what else could I say? I've got two children raised in Waitobo and in Tekuiti and for a small time in Otorohanga as well. Um, hmm. I have a Come dog. On, Shane. <laughs> that's awesome, Shane. Hey, um, Otemako. Now, look, this I would. That's a really interesting um thing because so you've got what you say, Shane, is your Pakiha name, and then your traditional name. Now, I actually had a conversation about place names with a fella in the gym the other day, and he said he said yes, and of course, there's also traditional because I was talking about place names, and then he said, you know, that traditional people names meant a lot more in the past too. Have you got, um, and I haven't really given that much thought, but sometimes, you know, when you think about place names, they're very heavily associated often with a person and that person's name features in that name and sometimes the place names are longer and they've been shortened. So I just wondered if you had any thoughts about traditional personal names. Well, traditional personal names, as you suggested, um, uh, do feature a lot in the names of places. So I'm sitting here at the moment uh, in my uh, 
town of Tewamutu. Uh, Tewamutu, some of you may know where Tewamutu is. If you don't, uh, maybe your teachers can pull out a map and a microscope and find it. It's a tiny little place. Uh, but uh, Tewamutu, the original name of this place was Otafao. Tafau being a significant ancestor tupuna of this area from whom nearly all of our tribes descend. And all Tafau literally means belongs to Tafau. Uh, it was uh, much later that the name Tawamutsu appeared, and to a certain degree, it was a bit of a nickname. Uh, Tawamutsu meaning the, the river's end. It's where the local river here, the Manga Ohoi, or the Manga Ohoi, depending on who you're talking to, flows through the town and meets the Manga Piko River and continues on as the Manga Piko, so the end of the river. Magnificent trading place in its day, etc. Um, a place swarming with with tribes, uh, to and they all belong to Tafal. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, and I, I guess with with putting one's name in the name of a place, it it's sort of it's a stamp of authority. It's uh, it's a way to, you know, um, mark a place that people then can relate to if they're, you know, part of that whakapapa. Definitely, most definitely. So the naming of a place was significant. Sometimes it was as simple as, as looking at the geographical features. Perhaps it was a shallow piece of river, so it would be named in Māori the shallow part of the river. Mm. Um, it might be a crossing, so they call it pitinga, so on and so forth. So some of the names... Uh, in our areas were named for the geographic features, the outstanding geographic features. Other times it would be named after a certain event, uh, whether that be a war or peacemaking, or perhaps it was an area in which gardens were uh, established and um, good times were had, <laughs> or for fishing, healing, any number of activities. There's a broad range of reasons behind traditional naming. Um, but, of course, some of those names have stories behind them. And um, the Pūrāko, stories or traditions behind names. Why do you think it's important to, to know those stories, Shane? Well, it's important to know the stories to understand the name and vice versa. Understanding the names of a place means that you have to understand the, the Purakau or the origin, the stories of that place. Uh, and inevitably, there may be several stories about the same feature. So uh, for those of you in, in Te Kuiti or in other places, we have a significant river that flows through our district, the Waipa. Now, the Waipa River has been given uh, a number of different meanings. Um, not to say that one is correct and the other is incorrect, but for those people in that time, that is the name that, and that's how they understood it. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you say there's often several names. How do how do names change in that way? Like, so one is one. There's a there's a name that exists, and then it, you know, then a new one comes about. And how do you decide? I guess, how do you decide 
because so um Shane to Marco you work for the 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 geographic board which is has the responsibility for making names official so how is it decided then what name to put on a map well in a traditional sense and this is not peculiar to to Aotearoa to Māori but across the world that you know, we live in spaces that have been occupied for generations. So the first generation uh, provided a name, and over time things changed and other events happened in the same space, uh, and a new name was coined for that space, uh, and so on and so forth. And it's very much the same um, with us as um, as children. You know, when we're born, uh, and I'm looking at all the students here and thinking, yep, You've all got a name now, but in time, you'll all receive other names. So I'm guessing there are a lot of children here that have nicknames. Anybody got a nickname in the room? Well, look at all the hands go up. Yeah, I've got a nickname. I had about four nicknames when I was a child. One of them was Hair Bear. <laughs> Another one was Boppers. Uh, another one was Koro, even though I was a very young man. Uh, and they these nicknames, are, I'm still called those names by different groups of people. When I go back to my schoolmates, I still hear Koro. That's what I'm called. When I go back to my cousins, I'm called Hair Bear. And when I'm with my girl cousins, I'm the big bopper. <laughs> so we can see... Um, that our names trans uh, transform, we transform along with our names. And it's the same with land and land features, that over time some names uh, change and the definitions change and the meanings change because people change. So um, are you saying, Shane, that, um, so for instance, there's uh, a great resource that's about to be sent to all schools showing the maps of Ika Maui, North Island, and the Waipounamu, South Island. Sorry, that's my cat making noises there. And there's and that's showing traditional Māori names on those maps. But in time, you know, might those names change or some of those names? Well, um, some of those names have changed. So the Māori and names that are on that map many of those places have been supplanted or, or the names have fallen out of common use amongst New Zealanders, but not amongst Māori. And so in many spaces, for instance, the capital city, Wellington, previously known as Te Whakanuiātara, um, both names sit together now quite comfortably, but there was a time when it was only known as Te Whakanuiātara. Uh, so what we do know, though, is presently there is great moves to return uh, to New Zealand and to New Zealanders knowledge of the traditional names of these places. That's a really, yeah, so there's a, there is a movement, there was actually a whole series uh, on TV about uh, traditional names and then looking at those English names, such as Wellington, Auckland, Christchurch, and and some of the origins of those uh, 
those English names, you know, don't really bear much significance to our country. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm finding it really interesting. The more I find out about those English names, and then you hear the stories behind some of those traditional names, um, the the names, some of the the stories behind those. The, the Māori names are, are far more interesting, and, and some of those names, English names, are named after people that hadn't even set foot in this country. Mm. And um, I think you might be referring in one case to perhaps Kirikiriro, the traditional name of the city now called Hamilton. Um, Hamilton named after a man who never stepped foot in the country. What relevance is there? And so these are the new conversations being had uh, and shared about you know the relevance of our names. What's in the name? Everything, everything. Um, and I'm looking at our uh, at our tamariki all seated around in the various schools. And I think one day you'll all want to know the meaning of your own personal name. And for some of you, you may choose to change your name. Today you might be Peter. Tomorrow you might be Petra. <laughs> And, and that's, that's all part and parcel of the, of the way in which people develop, the way in which societies develop. And presently, uh, Aotearoa, otherwise known as New Zealand, is undergoing those conversations. And we're asking about the relevancy, the connection, the relationship of some of the names that we have in our spaces. Yeah, I guess it takes time, and we're seeing a lot more the use of Aotearoa. Even in you know, I read the read the news online, and and it's always now referred to Aotearoa New Zealand. And so, um, sometimes that when we have that something ingrained in us, that change at first can be, um, just difficult to to get a hold of, you know, in terms of usage yourself. But the more you see it and say it. Um, the easier it becomes. And like you say, once you have that understanding behind something, uh, you see the value of it. And so it makes more sense to use it. What about, so if some of our tamariki this morning wanted to find out more about the stories, <coughs> excuse me, behind Indigenous place names, um, where they live, how could they go about finding out those stories? Well, I think... Um... Well, I think that presents a great opportunity for an actual classroom project uh, to pick up on, on this and, and turn it into a project of study and finding out the original name of the town uh, or even the space in which the school stands. So I'm here on Tekuiti because I know it very well and, and there's so much to be learned from the name Tekuiti. And... Um, that in itself would be a fantastic thing. It means getting in contact with local kaumātua, uh, talking to perhaps to the local iwi authority or mana whenua organisations and making connection because most of these names are held in the memory of people. And so uh, many of the, um, the stories around place names are... There are some that are written, but there's much, much more to be found by having conversations with uh, your local uh, kaumātua, uh, mana whenua people. Mm.
do you feel that um well like what, what kind of a sense in terms of people um you know for instance from Nazi money report or are there are there many people that know the stories about places in in your area and is that number growing i would love to say yes but unfortunately it's uh it one could think this this type of knowledge as a specialist field so there are those in the tribe who have made this a lifetime study there are those in the tribe who know intimately their own backyard uh, their own township and the places they lived and the names of all those places and so um, but unfortunately i would say no not everyone uh, has this knowledge and so that's where it becomes critical for a school or, or others looking to broaden their knowledge of a place is to engage with and become friends with uh, the local local people and in that mix there will be someone who knows something i just want to step back to um something you said in the beginning when you said to know a story is to know the place and vice versa and then we talked about the the value of knowing that the, now you mentioned this during one of the videos we did but i just wanted to go back on that because i think that that's a really important part of this whole corridor is um and particularly for um as tangata whenua i just really love that explanation you gave about the the value of knowing and understanding names and stories behind places. It's a it's a must have, you know, for all of our our tamariki uh, listening. Um, when you get older, uh, as you get older, as the, the some of the adults are here online, one begins to wonder about where we come from who we are and where we're going. We start to think about what's my story? What story do I come from? Where do I come from? And where have my ancestors been and where am I going? And in that mix are uh, questions that can be answered through place names that we know. For instance, I am very Māori, but I'm also very Scottish. Hard to imagine, <laughs> but I'm a Campbell through and through. And um, though I've never been to Scotland, I can trace my genealogy uh, and the travels of my uh, ancestor, my Scottish ancestor that came here through the very places he went because he wrote a magnificent set of diaries, etc. And his, his name was Sir John Logan Campbell. And he moved around the country as a very young man and we were able to trace our our stories, his story, through his travels and the places he went to, and uh, the place that he actually came from uh, back in Scotland. And once I understand those stories, and uh, there is a resonance, there's a connection, there's a, a relationship, I understand me much more. I now understand my wanderlust why it is that I've, I find it hard to stay in one place too long, 
because I come from ancestors that traveled the world, not only on my Polynesian uh, genealogy, but also on my Scottish background. Yeah, it's and it could be really interesting um, finding out those stories. And like you say, you can you can dig a bit deeper and 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 and, and make those like you say those connections and and find about out about those relationships you have. And there's many stories about people that try to uncover that history and get quite surprised with some of the things they find out. Um, Anne has asked a question. And she said, where does Papa and Pepeha fit with the stories behind the names of places? They're, they're behind the name, any name of the place, there will always be Papa, Because it took a person to name their place. And each person or people involved have Papa. And so the remembering or the giving of the name or bestowing of a name to a place occasions, uh, an, an event, etc. Et but, but there will always be that papa papa in the background, that if the name originally belonged to a particular ancestor or a particular people who have a, a family tree. And so the name and papa papa are entwined. They're one and the same. For uh, Pepeha, within the landscape, uh, Maori traditionally, we look to our landscape and we understand our landscape uh, in a very different way. The mountains are living ancestors, the rivers are living ancestors, the land itself is our earth mother. And so when we look to these geographic features and places, we hear the stories. We, we look, look at, at the, the land, land and it reminds us of what happened in that place. I look to my mountain, to Kakepuku, and I can think of a thousand stories that come flooding back to me. Places lived on, fought upon, places where people got married, places where people got divorced, <laughs> places where food was grown, where all sorts of things happened. And... The, the mountain, Mount Kakakepuku, becomes my maunga porero, my speaking mountain, because it speaks to me. So our spaces, our rivers speak to us. Our mountains speak to us. Our places speak to us. They tell us our narratives, our stories. They tell us who we are. Awesome. Yeah, that's, um, I love that way you describe that connection uh, to the whenua and how we're not separate from it. And I think that has so much importance uh, in many aspects of our lives. Um, I know that we're conducting this web conference online and it's, the internet opens up um, an unlimited amount of possibilities for us to explore things, but but just sitting down and looking around the place that we live in and connecting with those places and understanding and knowing stories behind those places is something that you can't 
you have to just go out and kind of experience, if you know what I mean. And I think that's really, really valuable. Do you have a favourite story? We don't have a heck of a lot of time left. <laughs> but do you have a favourite uh, story about a place in Aotearoa? A favourite story? Oh, oh my God, God it's, it's like, like asking me, what's my favourite chocolate? chocolate? All, All of them. them. Um, <laughs> my favourite story. We, we have, have a little place, place on the southwestern uh, side of Kakapuku Mountain. Uh, it's, it's a little place, place and I was just meeting with some relatives uh, recently talking about this little space. And its name is Pohatu Tapu, Sacred Stone. And when you go there, there are a number of springs that usher out from the bottom of the, the mountain there, this little place. Uh, the most beautiful watercress in the world comes from there. Beautiful cold water. And there is a myriad of rocks there. Lots of them. Big ones, small ones. Some as big as your head. <laughs> and having gone there with uh, with groups and with relatives, and they've asked, so this is Kohatu Tapu, sacred rock. Which rock is it? Which rock is the, is the sacred rock? Is it this one? Is it that one? This is the big one. Is it this one? And this is where local knowledge is really important because Kohatu Tapu, sacred rock, isn't a rock. What it is, is the appearance of a rock if you're standing miles away to the south. Every now and then, a slip will appear at the site. And from far, far away, the tribes saw it and they imagined that it was a sacred rock. Sacred because when they came here to investigate, they couldn't find it. And yet when they returned to their homes, they could see it again. And it really, so it's one of my favorite little places. And Kohatu uh, Tapu also marks uh, a time when if one of our great leaders falls and passes away, uh, by coincidence, perhaps, uh, the slip appears. And it's a sign to us that uh, a great leader has fallen, a great person has fallen and passed away. But again, Kohatutapu is it's a magical little place with trickling water and, and googling springs and delicious watercress. <laughs> oh, no, mihi, Shane. Um, Shane, that's, um, <clears throat> that's kind of brings us to the end, really, um, in terms of time. But thank you so much for your time this morning. Um, we haven't had any other questions pop up in the chat from listening schools, but I know that those listening will probably turn through what you need to say and think about anything uh, further to ask you. <laughs> you um so you it's really appreciated the time that you've given us Ehoa. And yeah, it's we I'm sure Tamariki are looking forward to getting back and beginning their own projects to look for meanings and stories behind names of places uh, in their local area. 
Now, there's another web conference tomorrow too. We've got uh, Wendy from Kuitu Tafino, a land information New Zealand, and she's also part of the Geographic Board. So you're all very welcome to come and listen tomorrow and ask questions for, to Wendy as well. So thanks for everybody for coming on. And, and of course, again, to our guest expert this morning, Kamako. And this will also be recorded. So um, a email will be sent to enrolled teachers, or uh, teachers who have signed up with a link to that. You'll be able to go back through and rewind your learning, as it's as you say. <laughs> so you can everybody can unmute if you want and say, give Shane a big paki paki and kakite ano. <laughs> Yell it out. Yara temako. Kia ora, namihi. And, and I'll, I'll give, give you the, the rest, rest of the day, day off, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's easy to say. Have a great day, everybody. Right. That brings our web conference to an end. Thank you, Diano. Thank you, Diano. Thank you, Diano.